Welcome to the Liz Career Coaching Podcast. My name is Liz Herrera and I am your host, career coach, and job search ally. People strive to find career happiness, purpose, and satisfaction, and yet end up in a career path that does not align with their goals and overall purpose. If you are launching your career or ready for your next career move, this podcast will empower you to pave your path and take the action steps to get you where you need to be. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Liz Career Coaching Podcast. My name is Liz Herrera and I'm your host. One of the most rewarding aspects of what I do as a career coach and a podcast host is meeting so many incredible people, making an impact in their community and serving others. Today, it is my pleasure to highlight the incredible journey of my wonderful guest, Emmanuel Lopez. Emmanuel is a first-generation Latinx trailblazer who has obtained an associate's, bachelor's, master's, and an honorary degree at the age of 27. He currently works as a bilingual recruiting specialist at Governor State University, while also serving as vice chair for ASIS Chicago Oxford. He is passionate about mentorship, building a visible brand, and inspiring the next generation of student leaders. Emmanuel, welcome to the show. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this for like two years, Liz. Two years I've been waiting to, to be on this podcast. So I thank you so much for the invitation. Of course. I don't know what you were waiting. Like I would have had you on a long time ago. Um, you, I, I, you're just an incredible person and I cannot wait to ask you a ton of questions. I know you have so much insight to offer. We have a lot in common. Uh, and so let's just dive right in. Can you provide a little bit more about yourself and anything specific that you would like to share about your academic journey? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I was, you know, I was born in, in Harvey, Illinois. Um, I like, I like, I like starting like that because obviously a lot of people have, uh, you know, Harvey is not the nicest city. Uh, and for a long time, it was a very dangerous city, but I like starting there because I think it's important to, to own uh, one's authentic voice, right? Who am I at my core? But uh, surely enough, you know, I, I had great parenting. Like my parents, if, if, if they wrote a book on parenting, I, I think it would be a bestseller because I think the way that they parent me, uh, instilled, me instilled in me the persistence, um, you know, ambition, just like little stuff that I learned to appreciate as, as I grew older um, is the reason that I'm here now, you know, and, and uh, long story short, I, I went to a community college, uh, not by, not by, you know, that wasn't my name, my main goal, but I, I landed there, you know, I just didn't know a first generation student. I, I didn't know what I was doing. So a, a community college started there and ended up becoming the best financial decision I could have done. Went to an out of state school because it essentially gave me a full ride at Indiana University Northwest, got my bachelor's degree. And then I, uh, I transferred over to uh, Northeastern Illinois University, where I got my graduate degree in educational leadership 2020, so a few years ago. And then um, most recently, I, I was a commencement speaker for my community college because I did a lot there as student body president. Uh, and I was awarded an honorary degree. So I gave that one to my mom because it's funny because she was there when they, when they gave me that. But I'm like, mom, I already earned one, right? Like, I, I earned one. Like, here, this one's for you. Right. And I, I, for me, that, that was such a special moment because I remember just giving to her like here, this you have an associate degree because and truly she has a grad, she has a graduate degree as well, because it's if without her, without my parents, like there is no me. Right. So when, when I'm earning these degrees, it's, it's those degrees are as much mine as they are theirs as well. I'd love to hear that. That's awesome. And I'm sure she is so proud of you. 
uh, and everything that she's put. I mean, I, I think our parents sacrificed so much and it's, it's uh, evident in, in all the things that you've done. So I'm sure she's a, a proud mama. Uh, so that's exciting to hear. Now, I know that, you know, you mentioned you graduated from NEIU and you did your master's in educational leadership. And so you're, I, I know because I know you, that you graduated with as an Enlace fellow. And I'm also a fellow Enlace fellow. <laughs> um, so it's always great to connect with other Enlacistas. And so you graduated during the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so talk about, imagine me, right? Okay, I'm the first one trying to get my graduate degree. And then there's no, no graduation ceremony, right? Okay, oh, virtual. I'm like, well, you know, tough one to swallow, you know, but I'm like, okay, then they like, I still earned it. And then I graduated in 2020, kind of when COVID was starting to peak. So not, I graduated with all this energy and positivity. And then sure enough, we're going into this very hard market, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there weren't, companies were not hiring. There were like, there was freezes going on. There was people being laid off. Um, and I remember just applying to a bunch of schools um obviously because i'm in higher education so i find a lot of different community colleges and, and universities because i have experience in both realms um and not and not hearing a back you know not even getting a chance to interview right like at least give me a shot like that's okay if i'm not the best candidate i wasn't even getting phone interviews to to begin with so it was very discouraging you know luckily because of that network that i built you know a fellow in la sista edgy issue i reached out and she's like, you know what well, they're hiring here, right? You know, uh, I could put a word in for you. And sure enough, um, through LinkedIn, we, I connected with my, my old boss and, and we had an informational interview. Uh, and sure enough, his boss was there. So my the associate uh, director of recruitment and a director of recruitment were both there. So imagine me, I'm like, this is an informational interview. Now I'm getting in, like, essentially interviewed by two people who would essentially be my boss. I did really well. And then sure enough, they pushed me through and they're like, they really like me. I didn't have to interview. They gave me the job. And I started recruitment at, at GSU. So I'm very grateful um, to, to have graduated from a program who, who has a strong alumni system. Yeah. Uh, and then most importantly, um, you know, uh, having a job during the pandemic, you know, it, it's, it's not easy. Yeah. And so you mentioned a few very key things, despite the challenges of the pandemic and being a graduate student, I think that I can't even begin to imagine and trying to enter the job market. It's already hard enough. But for you was the conducting informational interviews, your persistence, and ultimately it was tapping into your network that helped you get your foot in the door. But I know that there are many other reasons um, that you were prepared for these opportunities. And I know we're going to dive into that. But I want to, you know, I was hoping that you can talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned you're a first gen college student. What advice do you have? for, you know, based on your experience and lessons learned for other first-gen college students? Great question. Um, and, and here's the, the truth. I think as first-generation college students, we have to be self-aware enough to know that we are also going to school first in our family, right? But also building oftentimes the first network system, yeah. right? Um, and it's not talked about a lot. Like one thing is graduating college. That's one thing. One thing is getting a job, right? Or transitioning and getting like, you know, moving up. Education won't get you so, uh, uh, education will only get you so far, but it's, you know, we hear that saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that what they mean by that is how strong, what they really mean by like is how strong is your network system? Are, are you putting yourself out there? Do people know who you are, right? 
um, aside from your close-knit circle, like how are you positioning yourself in a way to meet more people, right? Giving yourself more shots to be remembered. It's about compounding um, first impressions, right? And consistently building upon those, uh, those first impressions um, so that people remember you, right? So I think that um, my advice would be, hey, I know it's already hard, right? And, and I don't want to overwhelm our first-generation listeners here right now and, and giving them the more work. But the truth is, if you're the first in family going to college, your part-time job for the rest of your life is being a brand ambassador to yourself, right? You have to be building your own network. You need to be constantly networking, constantly putting yourself out there, constantly creating marketing material for yourself, positioning yourself well, and you know, meeting as many new people. That's the, the number one best advice I could give, right? Um, is that. And it's true. I think as a first gen college student, there is going to be more work that you have to put into it, right? We're not starting in the same playing field as our counterparts. And I think it's important to recognize that. And that there's a lot of resources and, and things that you can do that you do have control over. And so given that, what would you say uh, in terms of your, you know, your personal experience? So how can young professionals begin to establish their brand and gain a competitive edge uh, in the job market? Yeah, volunteering. Right. Volunteering, because oftentimes when the, the, the issue that I was running into when, when I created a LinkedIn, right, and I'm like, I'm trying to reach out to people who are way more advanced than I am at that point. Right. So I'm like, OK, they, they have more money. They're more well established in their careers. They're a lot more busier than I am. Right. So what can I give of value? Right. That's the question. What, is, what can I give of value? To them so to start that you know cultivating a relationship because one thing is starting one called a relationship another thing is cultivating it nurturing that relationship right it's easy to meet someone new cool but how are you going to follow up you know how are you going to maintain how, what, what's your value proposition and i think volunteering like hey i'm so and so you know first you got to find the alignment pieces right whenever i reach out to someone like yourself on linkedin i'm like okay cool what linkedin does is it allows you to find alignments easier than ever Right. Mm -hmm. Before I list, I don't know if we would have met in person. Right. If LinkedIn doesn't exist, I don't know if we meet. Right. But because of LinkedIn, I, we may. I saw that you shared something I, I followed. And then I'm like, oh, she's in an assistant. There's an alignment. Right. Um, uh, obviously, we're both in higher ed. There's not a lot of Latinx professionals in higher ed, especially in your positions as directors. There's not as many of us. So I'm like, OK, cool. Like that's 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 what I eventually want to aspire to be. Right. So I'm like, there's starting to be alignments here. So I reached out, right? And then because of those alignments, it makes me easy to start a conversation. But then, hey, how can I help? Like, you know, how can I bring value to you? You know, I, I, I might not have all, you know, what I do have is time, right? As a young professional, we're oftentimes, we're not going to have, be able to bring much value to you as an established professional, but we have more time. We're less busy than you, Liz. So I could be like, hey, if you have a, a if you need a panel, hey, if you're doing an event, hey, if you need, you know, hands on, on, an, on something, I could be that person, right? And now I'm bringing value to you, Liz. Therefore, we're starting to cultivate that relationship. Um, and you're starting to see that, like, you know, I actually care and I, I, I value your mentorship so much that I want to help you, right? Because I genuinely, gratefully do. That is so interesting because I do not believe that you are not busy because <laughs> I know you and I have had conversations and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot. You, you say, you know, volunteer. Can you share... With my audience, anything that you're comfortable sharing, of course, like what are some of the things that you're involved in? And then I would also love to hear the things that you were involved with, even while you were a grad student. Like give us a little bit of your kind of your 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 schedule. <laughs> yeah. So going back to the how you bring value, right? Oftentimes, like I could bring an example, right? Like 
I was introduced to the United States Hispanic Leadership Institute, USHLI for short, in the, in the Chicago through, uh, through a conference, right? I went there. My mentor brought me there. I loved the experience, right? And then that year, I realized that they were giving out scholarships, right? Um, I never applied. But that second year, I told my mentor, I'm like, I, I appreciated this experience so much that I'm going to apply for you, right? Because I want, I want the school to recognize that, hey, she's bringing good students to this conference, and they're going to bring something back, right? They're going to bring some recognition back. There's going to be a scholarship winner. I ended up winning that scholarship that second year. But when I won that scholarship, I put my mentor, like, I was uplifting her as much as I possibly could. When I was invited to board meetings, like, oh, Emmanuel Lopez won a, scholar a national scholarship, 20 in the nation. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, my mentor, because of her, I won it, right? So anytime that they were, like, oh, trying to uplift me for publicity, I'm like, no. I kept going back, like, she's the reason why. Right. So talking about being in value ever since I won that scholarship, now I share that scholarship with anybody, anybody, everybody on LinkedIn. When I meet new people, even across the states or whatever, because it's a national scholarship. Hey, do you know the Lucy scholarship? I'm a scholarship recipient. Like if you have a group of students, I'll present and how I what on the reasons why I think I won it to increase the chances of that group winning. Right. So, you know, because of one experience, I continue to pull to this day that. Uh, and, and bringing that value to whoever I meet, whether it's on LinkedIn, in person, or whoever, right? Because I'm in the realm of, of, of uh, higher education. A lot of students, professionals, they oftentimes deal with, with students. So it makes sense. But going to, your, going to that second part of the question, as a grad student, I was so busy, Liz. I was so Here, let me lay out the... Okay, so I was a yes, full-time <laughs> full grad student, right? Full-time grad student. I got a graduate assistantship at Northwestern University working with their Multicultural Student Affairs. So full-time grad student and then um, graduate assistantship. I was working part-time, like 20 hours a week at a car dealership to fund my schooling. And then I was also working like once a week at Purdue University Northwest as a uh, um, trio upper bound um, uh, seminar instructor. Um, so I, when you add all those things, I was working at Purdue at a car dealership and I was working at Northwestern. I was a full-time grad student. And then I had to do a practicum at Harold Washington, uh, that second part of my, my, uh, my graduate program at Harold Washington, 100 hours. So at, at one point, I was, you know, at five different institutions working at some capacity. So I, yes, I was busy less. I know. When you said that, I'm like, uh, no, I think you, you're definitely underplayed that. And, you know, I kind of want to address earlier, you said, you know, you were in the job market, very competitive during the pandemic or the heart of the pandemic. And so it was through your network that you were able to land, you know, this full-time opportunity, this professional opportunity out of grad school. But it's important to acknowledge that all of these experiences, all of the things that you were involved in really helped. You know, I always say that it's about being prepared when there's these opportunities. And it just, it's evident that you've had all these experiences that allowed you to be prepared for this type of full-time opportunity. And that's why they, they were excited to get you on board with on an interview, which is amazing, by the way. Uh, so I think that, yeah, I, wa I really wanted you to share that when you're like, well, I'm not really busy. I'm like, no, yes, yes, you, you, you're very busy. You've done a lot. And I know that you, you continue to be involved in things, which we're going to talk about. But one of the things I wanted to also address, because there are a lot of people, you know, even the, 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 the thought of going to grad school, it can be intimidating. You know, it's, it, it's, the timing is different for everyone. There's no right approach, right? Everyone's journey is different. Some people might feel intimidated 
about the process. Like, I don't know, can I, I graduate from college? Can I even survive grad school? Is it for me? Well, what advice do you have for people, especially because, you know, kind of thinking about imposter syndrome, what are you, what were your initial thoughts when you're thinking about grad school and maybe any advice for, for someone thinking about uh, pursuing a graduate program? Yeah. Um, so it was scary, right? Like, 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 let's be real. I knew that when I got my associate's degree, I knew that if I could get that, that I was going to go for the master's. For some reason, I jumped over the bachelor's. I'm like, if I could do the associate's, I'm doing my associate's, I'm doing getting a bachelor's and I'm getting a master's, right? I know up to that point. But after I got my bachelor's, yeah, it, it was scary because um, I feared not being ready in the areas of writing. Um, mm. Because obviously I know that grad school is a lot, it's a lot of typing, it's a lot of research papers. Um, that's the part that worried me the most. Um, but you know what? I, I, it did, I, didn't, I didn't let that stop me. You know, I, I, what I kept my belief is, was that I wanted to be the first in my family to, to, to get my master's degree and my, you know, an entire, my entire family uh, uh, lineage. Um, I'm the first in my family to, to get that master's degree. But most importantly, uh, aside from being the first, who cares about being the first? All I know is that by, by, by being the first, no one in my family could ever say, I cannot get a master's degree because no one else in my family has ever got one before. Like that sentence no longer exists, Liz, right? Like how powerful is that, right? It's not so much what, what I gained, but what I took away. Like I took away that sentence, right? So now no one, like my, my sobrinos, my nephews, not, you know, like all, all my entire family, no one could ever say that again. And for me, that's so, like, me da tanto orgullo. Like I'm so, I, I have so much pride in that because yeah. now I can help them, right? Now everyone after me, I could be like, hey, like you could do it because I did it and now you could go further, right? Yes. So there's no more excuses. Yes. So yes. for me, that, that idea pushed me through and, and allowed me to persist and allowed me to, through all the struggle, I knew that, I knew that it was going to be worth it. But, but let me just say this, let me just add a little bit here is that it was hard. One thing is being, from an academic standpoint, it was hard. Mm -hmm. But was, what, what was even more hard than that, Liz, was my family did not understand because I left a lot of money on the table, right? I did. I, I, I haven't worked full time until after I graduated uh, my grad school. So up, you know, six years of going to school and I never really worked full time um, in my profession. So they would often, you know, like, Hey, they didn't understand. They're like, why are you doing that? You're, you're not making them, you're not making money, you know, and, and you're going to graduate you know, two, two more years of, of college. Is it going to be worth it? But those, and then, you know, obviously missing the parties, right? Oh, no, viniste la, uh, la fiesta. You're missing these parties and this and that. So there was, I, I got a lot of that, right? And it was really hard because I'm like, hey, I'm trying to do something good here, right? Yeah. Why are people pulling me down? But let me, for those, for those listeners, for those people who are thinking about going to grad school, those same people who are like, hey, why are you not here on this party? Were also the first people who were congratulating me and, and honoring me and, and, and sharing my story. Like, oh, I'm so happy for Emmanuel. First in my family, first in the entire family to get a graduate degree. Those two people are the exact same person. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta like not hear the noise, block out the noise because at the end, everyone's going to be happy for you. Yes. I, that, there's a lot of sacrifices in grad school, right? And all that stuff comes later. You know, there's going to be time for, for all of that, but there's, it's definitely a commitment. Uh, and you, you know, and, and, and you have to want it and, and that you can do it. Right. Like you said, it's, it's scary. Like anything. Uh, I always tell students, like, do you remember when you were going to high school? It was like the scariest thing ever. And then you graduated and every phase of our journey, it's always going to be scary because it's unknown, but, but it can be done. That's incredible advice. Thank you. 
So I know that you are also involved in other type of professional organizations and boards. Why do you think it's important for young professionals to join nonprofit auxiliary boards? Uh, I, I love this question so much. And, and I didn't understand fully what a board was. To be completely honest, as a first generation college student, I, what are boards, right? And then oftentimes when, when, when people hear it, I'm like, oh, that's more work. Um, you know, I'm volunteering for free. No, no, thank you. I'm busy enough. But this goes back to that building your brand, right? This goes back to being visible. This goes back to putting yourself in a position to meet another group of individuals that you probably would never meet if you weren't involved. And, and what's great about boards is that you're, you're joining an organization that you feel passionate about that either helped you in the past or that there's alignments, right? For me, the Hispanic Alliance of Career Advancement, uh, Enhancement, ASE, it was that, right? They gave me my first internship in 2015, coming out of uh, my bachelor's degree, right? Like my first internship ever, like in my family, the first internship period, right? And, and I got denied from that internship the first time around, right? And, but the second time around, I got it because I really wanted it. And that's funny that I, I didn't get it that first time, but now I'm the vice chair of the entire Chicago Oxford, which is the largest auxiliary board for, for ASA in the nation, right? They have auxiliary boards in New York and you know, across the nation. And, and I'm now the vice chair of, of the biggest one, right? So the, why, why join a board is because of that, right? Now, like I, I'm, I'm, my board is around 30, 30 people, 30, uh, around 20 plus, 25 plus. That's uh, of people with various different experiences from all across the city of Chicago, right? Not just in education, tech, um, finances, real estate. So now I'm working with them and, and now I'm making an impression on them, right? Now they know, now they know I exist, Liz, mm-hmm. right? And they're seeing my work ethic, right? And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, and right now, obviously I'm not transitioning or anything like that, but life, life is crazy. Sometimes things come up and you have to change trajectories or whatever, but now, I, these people know my work, you know, so now I could always need to fall back on them um, for advice or help or anything like that. So why join a board to gain that board experience? And, and how cool is that to say that you have board experience, right? Every organization has boards, right? So I think um, for, for, for young professionals to say like at, at the earlier the age is better, like, Hey, I, I'm already volunteering. I'm on, I'm, I'm a part of a board. Um, that's board experience. That's critical. That's essential. That's, that can make you stand out between the person who has a bachelor's, a bachelor's or a master's and a master's, but then board experience, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all about getting those additional experiences that are going to make you stand out. And I think getting board experience is one of them. Yeah, no, I think that's a really important point. And like you mentioned, essential. And, and there are going to be things that we have to do in our career that are unpaid. And, but there's an investment to it if you see the bigger picture. And I just kind of wanted to kind of just mention this on the side. I know that, you know, a lot of people are are introverts or they're afraid to network or it's not comfortable. And I find that when you join committees or you're on a board or you're in some type of official organization, it kind of removes that pressure because you start meeting people and then you start building those authentic relationships and then it gets easier. And then that's where you maintain those meaningful connections and, and they become friendships too. Right. And I think it just makes it so much easier and it feels genuine. And like, that's for me, that's like, the, that's an easier route than just like, let me talk to everyone. So in, in participating in committees and boards and things like that, I think I have found that's where I have 
uh, created some some of my best relationships is through is through those avenues. And then you have the similar goals, which I think is super important. Um, that's awesome. And let's give a shout out to Ase because Ase has also been impactful in my career. Um, I was part of Mujeres de Ase and I know you and I have similar, you know, connections there. Um, so we just have to give a shout out to Ase because they have been, that organization has been instrumental for both of us in, in our career enhancement for sure. So you have so much energy, so much, so much ambition. Where does that come from? What's your inspiration? My inspiration and, and I even said this in my commencement speech, growing up the oldest of four boys and witnessing my parents work so hard. Um, you know, my, I, I remember my dad used to go to the flea market on the weekends um, to, to, to flip stuff, right? And I remember just hating going there to help them because we would wake up so early and then we would go to the flea market and then obviously it wouldn't be like the, the cleanest place. And it's not something, and then not the nicest people sometimes. And I'm like, what are we doing here? You know, I, I used to view it as such a, you know, very negatively. And, and I, and then, um, you know, my mom, she um, taught herself the English language um, by herself and then also taught her sign language uh, to do her job well as a, as a, as a teacher assistant for, uh, uh, for a special education school. Like I'm a very driven, I'm a very motivated man. If you understand those two <laughs> statements now, you understand who I am at the core, right? So growing up, seeing how hard they work, especially my, my mom, um, and never complain, right? Never complain, never complain. And, and, and always willing to pour into us, right? There's four of us, Liz, it's not easy. Uh, you know, they sacrificed a lot and, and, and they never complained. And my dad used to, he's to this day still works, you know, at 5 a.m., comes home around five or six and never complains. And I think um, I'm just gratitude, right? Like my fuel is gratitude. Uh, and, and luckily for me, that fuel will never end because I will never be able to pay my parents forward. I would never be able to pay that debt that they so, so much that they poured into me ever to them, right? But that doesn't mean I'm going to stop. That doesn't mean I'm going to start trying, right? I'm definitely going to try to make them as proud as possible. But because of that, because I, I, I'm self-aware enough to know that I'm here because of the sacrifices made um, with my parents and my grandparents, right? And making that generational leap, right? Like my grandparents, like my grandfather came to the United States and worked here while my grandma was in Mexico and, and she, he would send um, her money. And then my parents, both of them came to the United States, right? And then, you know, they obviously built the foundation. But now I'm making the largest generational leap because they built the foundation. Now I have a graduate degree, right? And I'm at the age of 27. I'm going to get my doctoral degree, Right. So we went, we went from them just building a foundation to making a giant leap. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's what fuels me is that knowing, especially my brothers, too, like they all have careers now. Like we're in a solid position to make the biggest generational leap in our family history ever. And we're not looking back. That's right. No, that's incredible. And, you know, you you talk about your your parents and your mother being an inspiration and just kind of seeing that in her and that it fuels you and it motivates you. But then some of the things that you've also mentioned in, in some of our conversation is the mentors that you've had, right? And, and that you've been grateful for that as well. And, and, you know, we don't go through this journey. While it sometimes feels lonely, there are some key people that, that really have influenced us. And so what are your thoughts around how can people find mentors that can help guide them? Um, you know, and, and shout out to my mentors, you know, um, three of them. The, who shaped me as a man were actually black African-American men. 
you know, and in higher education, there's not a, a lot, there's not a Latinos, right? But there's not a lot of Latinx men in higher education. Um, and I was very fortunate. I, I hit the lottery. When I went to Prairie State College, you know, I, I, I ran into Jason Thomas, uh, uh, who ran a trio program there, and Sean Smith, who was an academic advisor for STEM. And they built me up. You know, they built me up. Um, they mentored me. They built me up as a man. Um, and then uh, Jenica Rodriguez recruited me there to, to Prairie State College and was a, a still one of the greatest mentors I've ever had in my life. So two, three of, three of, them of, of the most influential mentors that I've met were actually at community college, a, a place that I thought was a mistake for me to start turned out to be the, the, it flipped to being the greatest, the greatest decision I could have made at that time. But, um, but yeah, how do I, how do you, how do you get them to mentor you? I volunteered. I was involved with student life and I showed energy and I showed willingness to do stuff. I showed willingness to stay after school and I was consistent. So whenever they would invite me, I would show up. I made sure that they, if they, if I, if I said I was going to be there, I was there. Um, and they appreciate that, right? Because oftentimes in community college, most, most community college students are working full time or, or part time or whatever. And, um, they're busy uh, or, or they don't see the value in being involved. And, and I did, and I did, and I, and I listened. So whenever they spoke and like, Hey, you should do this. I did it. You know, one of my mentors, Jason Thomas, who I mentioned earlier, he told me like, be a part of a board because one day you're going to apply for a position and they're going to be like, um, um, they're going to be asking for, uh, to see if you have board experience and then they're not going to be able to reject you because you're going to be able to say like, actually I do. Actually, I do have board experience and I'm already affiliated with a company that, that there's a strong alignment that we could partner with. And I'm the middle person. So, right. So now you're bringing additional value. In, and I sent him the picture when I, I became vice chair for asset a few weeks ago. And I sent him that. And he was like, like, you're awesome. Like you continue to listen and, and, and we continue to nurture that relationship because I'm, I'm not done being a mentee. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not done. I want to continue bringing that value to them, volunteering, presenting to their students um, because I value them so much. And, 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 I, and I love them. I love all my mentors so much uh, deeply because I know that this, this Emmanuel was never going to be built by myself. There's no shot. Yeah. And I think it's so important too, like you said, meeting people halfway and that they see that you're motivated and committed and that when you're given advice that you take it uh, and you run with it. So I think people are more likely to want to continue supporting and guiding you. And sometimes we come across mentors in our journey unexpectedly, people that we would never think of and and just being able to identify that and, and paying it forward. You know, I feel that you are already a mentor uh, to many, and I'm sure that you're, you're an inspiration to, to young professionals and, you know, students that are even thinking about going to just even entering college um, and grad school and entering the, the professional uh, workforce. So having said all that, what are some words of inspiration that you have for current undergraduate and graduate students to stay motivated wherever they are in their current journey? Right now is a very difficult time to be a student, right? COVID, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when in, the, in, you know, when we're looking from a historical standpoint, you know, higher education always went through issues like, you know, the periods of difficulty whether through was because of World War II and there was not enough students going or, or whatever it may be, or like obviously in the 1960s with, with the student, uh, um, you know, student rioting and, and, and fighting uh, for more representation and just having access to college period, you know, for black and brown students, you know, and then we're, we're here in 2020, from 2020 to, to, to this day, you know, COVID, right? This shift from, uh, from in-person instruction to online for, for many institutions that were not ready for in online instruction, Right. Just because they do online online classes doesn't mean that they were prepared for an online instruction. Right. Um, 
that and also the lack of you know obviously people passing away in their families due to COVID like it's a very and then obviously the 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 job market and you know you know not to get political but last the the last presidential uh campaign and, and the effects that that had like it's just, it was a lot for for many students uh, more some more than others but we this graduate whatever graduating class from mine 2020 to 2022 and moving forward we're going to be one of the most pr- resilient classes ever in the history of higher education right so i think um block the noise focus in um and just know that's going to be worth it and oftentimes it's hard when there's so many bad things that you're hearing on, on the outside and is the college worth it you know it is worth it right i think there's still a tremendous value in getting a college degree um, from from a, from a lot of different statistical points, even in just like living longer, like people who have education, like just live longer, like yeah. like it's crazy from the and, and obviously make more money, but just at at, at some point, just for transfer, uh, you know, to be able to transfer to different positions or the transferable skills that you do gain in college, your communication skill being built up, I think is worth it. I think it's still worth it. So if you're if you're sitting here listening to this podcast and you're like, man, I don't know if I should continue going to college. You do it because guess what? If it's going to take you two more years to get a bachelor's degree, guess what? Those two years are going to pass by regardless. So at least in two more years, you could have hustled it out and got your bachelor's or hustled it out and I got in anything, right? So just just focus in, do it. And just remember, who are you doing it for, right? Look back and be like, hey, like if I don't get this bachelor's degree, like my sobrinos or my nephews might be like, well, Manny didn't get it. Emmanuel Lopez didn't get it. Like, I'm not going to get it, right? Like, and, and that should hit you like a, like, you know, like a, that should hit you, that should hit you so heavy because you don't want that for them. You want them to be like, Manny did it. And you know what? I want to do it too, because he did it. Right. So just focusing, cause I promise you when, when you fast forward in your life and they're going to, and you're, they're all grown up now and they, be, they come up to you and be like, you know what? I, I continue to college because I saw that you were able to do it during the hardest times. And that motivated me. Like at that point, it's going to be worth it, Liz like full circle right so like you seeing your mom you know going through her her journey and and persevering and you're like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it too even though it's in a different context so now you're setting that stage for the next generation and this is why I'm so grateful that you took time out of your busy day to be on the show and share your story and your words of inspiration so thank you so much for for sharing. Now, before we end, where can people find you? How can people connect with you? Sure, you know, LinkedIn. And, you know, LinkedIn <laughs> is probably the best place. Um, you know, just type in Emmanuel Lopez. Um, you're going to find me. You know, I'm a recruiting specialist at Governor State University, or I'm going to be affiliated with ASSET. Um, that's the best place. Find me there. You know, find me there. I'll reach out. Send me a LinkedIn message. Be like, hey, you talked a lot about mentorship. I need to be mentored. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to be my mentor. And and I guess what? If you if you email, if you message me on LinkedIn and you ask me that, you're like, hey, I listened to that podcast. You told me to reach out to you because I, you know, I'm looking for a mentor and I and I could love assistance or I would just love to meet with you. I will honor that. Right? I will honor that. So keep me accountable and actually reach out <laughs> to me. So see what we could so so you can see that I'm actually about what I'm saying and I actually believe in that. That is golden. Thank you so much for that generosity. And I will be putting your contact information in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much, Emmanuel. And we'll definitely, you know, stay in touch and see how else we can continue working together and collaborating and keep doing what you're doing. And thank you for, for your inspiration. 
Muchas gracias. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun.